You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 156. Let us roll. And uh, I don't know, man. I don't even know what I want to talk about. I, I do have, uh, I do have my, 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 uh, my very good friend and guest, ready to come out. And we're going to have a lot to talk about. It's funny because I'm recording this. It's like, uh, you know, noon on Wednesday. And I just got into like a, a, a Twitter firestorm uh, with all sorts of topics with bean counters. <clears throat> really awesome. Maybe I'll talk about that a little later. Uh, for sure, I'm going to get to that and much, much more. Uh, but I, I want to bring out my guest. My guest is uh, uh, Mr. Nick Bodiford. Nick Bodiford is is such a such a cool uh, dude in the fantasy space. I feel like in some ways I I don't know if I I wouldn't say I discovered Nick, but I certainly was in on the ground floor with Nick. That much I can say. And for everything that I can say about Nick, I, I know that Nick was sort of you know a, a fan of mine early in his sort of fantasy football you know, uh, career if it were. So I'm really excited to have him on. He's, a, he's, he's really fantastic. He does so much good work. He's uh, doing a ton of stuff over at the 33rd team um, and PFF. And I know he's doing some stuff for Pat Corain, another friend of the show and, and, a, and a real, real sharp uh, fantasy mind. So, you know, for all that and more, we are proud to bring on my friend, Mr. Nick Bodiford. Nick, what's going on, buddy? Hey, Jax. It's good to see you. I, uh, so a year ago, year yeah, was it the off season last time I was on here? And I can't keep track. We, I know we did our little uh, fantasy one hundred and one. I was I'm or dynasty one hundred and one. I'm yeah. still a fairly young dynasty player, but yes. um, you let me pick your brain on a number of things, and I think we're gonna have some cool process stuff to go through for the listeners. But I'm excited to get into the the player specific stuff a little bit more this time too. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of things that we've done when we've potted together was sort of an opportunity. You're a really good question asker. You're a very curious 
mind. Um, you know, you have a different sort of skill set that I love. I, I, I really enjoy talking with you. And one of the things that we found when we've sort of talked is that you're a very good question asker. Um, and for, for those reasons, we sometimes will have our show sheet and not to let people behind the curtain, but we'll have a lot of things that you want to ask of me. And I think it's a lot of fun. And, and then we'll just have some conversation stuff. And there's some things I, I certainly want to, you know, ask of you. So maybe a little bit of a different format, but I think, uh, I think it's a lot of fun, man. I, I love having you on for those reasons. So, yeah. Thank you, Jax. It's, I'm, it's, it's good to be here. And hello, Michael P. Duncan. Yes. I hope you're doing well. By the way, you get to pick what the P stands for this week. So give it some thought because on the outro, you know, every week, you know, I'm, 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 okay. I'm trying to figure out what the P stands for. I keep guessing one of these days I'm going to get it right. So do you not actually know? Of course I know. Come on. You know, I, come I don't on. know. I, well, yeah. growing well, up, you, no you're one not ever... really guessing. You're going to guess like something that's, you know, you know, making fun of him. Mean, we're trying to hurt his feelings here. I mean, if we can do okay. that, we're going to do it. All right. Or you can always... raise him up. You know, you can raise him up. I'll raise you up, Mikey. Yeah, because Trav Mikey did Duncan. pimping, big pimping, you know. <laughs> so I dropped him. I dropped him, Michael, big pimping, Duncan. So you can do whatever P you want, but you know it's a it's a solid guess. All right, all right. Well, without further ado, I think the real thing that you know it's funny. Um, whew, I mean, it, most of the most of our our listeners are playing in dynasty superflex leagues, and what a time to be alive! For Dynasty Superflex, I mean, the quarterbacks are just fucking on fire. I mean, here's a quick list I made, and I know I sent it your way, but here's just a quick list of, like, craziness, whether it's injuries, replacements, shitty play, you know, uh, you know, all of it. Cousins in Minnesota. Deshaun Watson, that whole thing. Anthony Richardson, out for the year. Matt Stafford, now with a thumb. Brock Purdy in his sort of concussion situation. Now he sucks thing. He doesn't. But, you know, that whole thing. Kenny Pickett is hurt. Now you, Trubisky. Uh, Desmond Ritter, who, you know, he's the Pinocchio of quarterbacks. He was never a real quarterback to begin with. Um, <laughs> Will Levis shows up and just fucking takes his dick out, right? I mean, he's just like, what's up, dog? <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo, now bench for Aiden O'Connell. Jordan Love in the thin, thin ice. He's trying to stand on we literally had tommy devito who by the way tommy devito is uh is is what's his face from uh uh goodfellas that's literally tommy's name in goodfellas anyway uh you got justin field still nursing an injury and teabag badgent in there you got the kyler and of course my guy clayton toon finally of course he gets his shot fucking one week this is a bullshit i'm so pissed off about that but all of that creates so much chaos at the quarterback position. I thought we should probably give that some conversation, but let's start with actually Minnesota Vikings. I mean, you know, I, I think a lot of it is like, you know, man, I got to be honest with you, with you, uh, you know, Nick, I had a ton of Kirk Cousins teams that were winning. So that one hurts a, a lot kind of, but, um, but there's a lot of players who have, you know, Justin Jefferson, maybe Jordan Addison, Hawkinson, Nobody who's winning has uh, Madison or Acres, so don't worry about those teams. But um, I'm joking a little bit, but not really. Uh, what do you think about this Minnesota Vikings situation? How do you think this is all going to play out now with Josh Dobbs in town? Well, okay, so before we get to Josh Dobbs, I am curious to see what Jaron Hall does. And I, yeah, I'm forgetting his name. It was, it was his nickname was something descriptive with a, a big it was the the Mormon something because I think he was a BYU guy or something. Anyway. 
he can run. He's a dual threat. And any time that a guy can, you know, pick up six yards or whatever on the ground, um, that's that we have to kind of pay attention to that. I do think Josh Dobbs just just takes over. And I think that he can keep certain guys afloat. Maybe he profiles similarly to Tyler Heineke, Taylor Heineke. I never get his first name right. Heineke in that he will funnel looks to the number one guy. We saw that with Marquise Brown the first few weeks. We even saw that with yeah. Zach Ertz. Um, so I'm not pulling the the ripcord on the Vikings, the established Vikings guys, although there are more of them there. I think for Justin Jefferson, this is really interesting because the dynasty question between Justin Jefferson or the the dynasty question about who is WR1 has been Jamar Chase versus Justin Jefferson. Chase is locked in with Joe Burrow. And we've always known that the Kirk Cousins thing was going to end soon. But uh oh, now it's here. If we have time, we should talk about some of the the non-contact injury stuff because this is something that a a couple of the physical therapists were kind of ringing the bell on when the NFL cut down on that fourth preseason game with the Mm ramp-up period and how it's impacting, you know, Achilles tendons are not technically, I don't think they're soft tissue because it's tendon, but tendon does grow into muscle so Mm. there's some kind of curious stuff there where like maybe we have to start taking into account 30 plus year old quarterbacks and and all that kind of stuff but i think josh dobbs you know if jaron hall does nothing i think josh dobbs can i i don't think it matters for justin jefferson all that much addison hawkinson is going to become interesting i was kind of out on hawkinson because i i thought jordan addison was going to be able to at least be Mm. a problem for him he has surpassed all expectations that I had Addison in, in comparison to where I was on Addison, which was like fine at ADP. He smashed that. And now it's time to find out which one of those guys is going to get to eat. Um, where are you at on the pass catching? I mean, we don't have to talk about the running backs. So where are you? No, at no, on yeah. The pass I mean, I mean, certainly this does kind of kill the running backs. And Madison now is is it couldn't be more dead. I think at Madison now is really a backup running back for the rest of his career. He's not a starter. This is a death knell for him because Acres is there. They're going to split carries and they're going to split carries in a bad offense. So that's done. And then next year he's no, there's just nothing there for, for Madison. He's, he's basically done. He's a backup running back that if he get he's basically who he was when Dalvin cook was there. He, he's going to be a guy that if he is thrust into action against a shitty defense, he can score you fantasy points. Other than that, he's dead. And, you know, Akers is probably also a bit, you know, a lot of teams have given up on him. And now that he's in a bad offense, it's another year removed from any sort of success that we've seen from him. Whatever. So you're right. The running backs are dead. Addison, you know, I was certainly right about Addison. I, Addison was a guy I loved in rookie drafts. I made it a point to move up to get him in a number of occasions. I thought he was I, I flirted with him as my wide receiver one in the class and especially after the draft. He definitely became a tier of two with JSN. Um, so I think that that Addison is showing himself as exactly who we thought he was. And then, of course, the opportunity to be a number two with, with Je- uh, Jefferson was there. N- nobody really saw the opportunity to become the one with Cousins. And then, of course, the rug gets pulled out from underneath him. I do think it hurts Addison quite a bit. Um, you know, because Jefferson will come back and this whole thing is really, really, I think biggest hit is for Addison. And I'm really sad about it because, you know, like I said, this is, this is an offense that was fun. I mean, 
Uh, Cousins was the quarterback six or something like that. And, uh, you know, he was really good, too. Uh, as per usual, he's been a top 12 quarterback like seven years in a row. It's unbelievable. So, you know, the Cousins hate is there. I, I do want to mention this. So the way I see it is like as you start to do this, if you're a dynasty team, you have to really think of yourself as, you know, am I am I competing or not? You know, in a couple of spots where I lost Cousins, like I went out and, and purchased uh, Gardner Minshew for a third. Like, I love that trade. You know, Minshew turns into a pumpkin probably after this year. I don't think there's a, you know, the musical chairs will end after this season. I don't think he's going to have a chair as a starting quarterback. Very unlikely. It's possible. He could play his way into that that role. I mean, there are enough open seats. But with the draft and who knows what, right? So for me, like making that deal as a as a contender, I love that. But also you have to think of it as the seller. That's a great sell because fast forward, if Minshew, which is predictable, doesn't get a starting position next year during the draft, during the rookie draft, who the hell is paying you a third for Minshew? Nobody. Like, nobody. So this is your opportunity to get a third, maybe a little bit more, but probably not a second. If you get a second, fuck yeah, dude. So right now is a great time if you're a seller to make sure you're selling some of these, you know, these quarterbacks that are really not even that good. I mean, I almost pulled the trigger in this league. This is a true story. I had offered a third uh, for Jimmy G, and he, he countered with a second and a third and threw in another uh, Amari D. Marcardo. And I was like, eh, I don't really need him. I was hemming and hot. I almost pulled the trigger. And then I made the Gardner Minshew trade. And as it turns out, you know, we were talking, me and the other, the other manager, I said, you should have taken the first one. And that was even before Jimmy G got, um, got benched. And now of course he's kicking himself. And, he didn't make a bad play. He was trying to squeeze. I thought he did a good job. He almost had me making a deal, and he would have increased his 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 net. But at the end of the day, you know the windows can close fast. You know, especially on these backup quarterbacks. Desmond Ritter. I think I posted. Who would you rather have? You know, Jordan Love or Gardner Minshew in Dynasty? I think I think uh, Love is winning. But it's like these things can change very very quickly, and. Um, I think that's the long-winded way of saying you really have to be proactive and make these trades now because if you're a losing team, here's the here's the key point, Nick. If you're a losing team and you look into the future, like literally when the season's over, uh, I- I'll put it this way. Geno Smith or Kirk Cousins right now. It's like, well, Geno Smith because I get to play him. What about at the beginning of next year in August? Geno Smith or Kirk Cousins? I mean, it might even be Kirk Cousins, right? So if you can sell uh, Geno Smith for Kirk Cousins and get profit, that profit is free if you're not trying to win this year, if that makes any sense. Because you don't give a shit about the points scored. In a lot of cases, you actually would rather bring in Kirk Cousins so he doesn't score points, so it lowers your max PF if that's how you're – or if you're trying to tank uh, ethically or whatever. You follow me? Yes, I do. So – Here's where I want to go at this. For these veteran guys, or it's probably fair to call them journeymen, Josh Dobbs, Gardner Minshew. I sold Gardner Minshew last year um, right before the season started. I sold him for a first, telling the guy that, hey, maybe uh, Hertz doesn't work out. Um, (laughs) But for those kind of guys where we already have a bunch of negative signal, I think it's important to like sell on them as quickly as possible. 
where the conversation becomes interesting is with these younger guys. And so in that group is people we've already talked about, DeVito Hall. Now also Aiden O'Connell, Will Levis. O'Connell, you know, the fact that they weren't already going to him, like when they started Hoyer or whatever that was, when they didn't immediately give him more opportunity, that may be a negative signal that that we can already just kind of write O'Connell off. Um, for these young guys, though, we to your point, we have to move very quickly. But for a young dynasty analyst or participant, how is it that you approach these guys? I mean, are you do you want do you want to try to go get Hall to see if his rushing upside is anything? Are you buying Will Levis? So <clears throat> I think it's always cost, right? So I I actually did look at my my dynasty rankings. And I was sort of looking at where I would put Will Levis right now. And I think, and, and you can you can sort of think of this with me here. So if I'm if I'm ranking Will Levis, there are some that are going to go out to best case scenario. In other words, here's the point. If you went into the season, into the offseason with Will Levis as like, dude, I think he's going to be great, right? You have that opinion. And then he goes and does this you're probably putting him up near Brock Purdy in Dynasty. You're like, dude, he's good for sure. And and if you're right, he should be around Brock Purdy in Dynasty. If you think he's awful and that all that was smoke and mirrors, he threw a couple moon balls and DeAndre Hopkins just happened to run under him. One guy was complaining about offensive pass interference and all the rest of it. Just a bunch of lucky bullshit. I've heard the analysis. His EPA was one of the lowest in the thing. Couldn't do- okay, great. He sucks and he got lucky. That could be true too. Well, then you'd have him probably behind Zach Wilson. There was a, I don't know. You'd think he's awful. So I sort of split the difference. I have him in this Kenny Pickett, Mac Jones area where, you know, I certainly still want guys like Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, you know, Geno Smith ahead of him. But I was thinking I would, you know, I was looking at like, okay, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Matt Stafford. If you, would you trade any of those three to get yourself Will Levis straight up right now in Dynasty? Provided Russell, that, yeah, Russell Ru- Wilson, Derek Carr, Matt Stafford. In in Dynasty, yes, you got your, yeah, right. I do all three. Right. Um, what I liked about w- what what we saw from Will Levis this last week, or, or well, I two things or one thing disguised as two, um, the the CJ Stroud principle that we had where. He the kind of the knock on him was that he was great, uh, but he had great weapons and it's like, yeah, okay, cool. So he did what he was supposed to do with those right. weapons. It would be right. really bad if he didn't do those things. Right. Last week, Will Levis, and you guys can go read about this at, at uh, PFF, my my quarterback matchups piece and my um, uh, waiver article at the 33rd team. Um, Levis on short area throws, he was like over 85% adjusted completion rate. That's awesome. We really like to see that. So he, so the, the knock is, well, he did a bunch of uh, short area stuff and then he was ripping huge gains and yeah, cool. He was really efficient right. on the short yeah. area throws. I'm happy to see that. And then he had a huge big time throw rate. That's dope. Sounds to me like he did everything he was supposed to do. That's I right. say this is somebody who was totally out on Will Levis. Right. I, I didn't want to draft him. I didn't want him to fall to me. So I had to make that decision. But he went out and he just did all the stuff that he was supposed to do. So I'm sitting here going, shit, I think I was wrong. He's facing the, the Steelers this 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 uh, uh, tomorrow. 
good pass rush, but they are really prone to giving up big pass plays. The quirk here is Joey Porter Jr. Now he's the starter. I always look at everything to player to player matchups. That's my strength and it's my weakness. Um, but yeah, I would sell all those. I would sell those three veterans for him. Yeah, yeah. I think I think what it comes down to right now, Nick, too, is this is a great time to transact on Will Levis because if you think he's overrated, you can sell "quote unquote" high. You know what I mean? You can use Levis to get you something. You know, um, so I would I would be willing to sell if you can buy and you think he's really going to be good and people just haven't caught up to tomorrow's newspaper yet. Then go ahead. I. I kind of spl- I'm splitting the difference. I don't have any shares, of course. You know, I mean, because I was a little bit lower on him too. I was with you, so for me, I'm not necessarily looking to buy, but I am willing to admit that I could be wrong, like you have said, right? And I'm ready to see more. Um, for me, the Will Levis experience doesn't have as much impact on my fantasy teams. So from that perspective, I'm not necessarily taking as I'm not taking any action because I'm not buying because obviously. You don't want to buy on the on the height of a four touchdown pass game unless you really really believe, which I don't. So I'm not going to do that. But um, I would move some of those older guys, which I don't think anybody's really doing that. I think if you send Derek Carr for Will Levis, they go fuck you. You know, same thing with Wilson and and probably even Stafford as well, who's been good. But I agree. So I think he's ahead of those guys because of the sheer upside potential that he that he possesses. So I would absolutely do those trades um, because even if you're wrong. What are you really losing with those other three stiffs? Basically, you know, maybe I mean, Russell Wilson's actually been pretty good, but who knows how long those rides last? And so, for those reasons, I think that's that's correct. The guy that I've got ahead, and maybe now you can answer this question: What about Sam Howell or Will Levis? Um, I think I think Sam Howell's on the 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 Justin Fields trajectory, where he's he's got some really cool stuff that he does. Yeah, the sack. This, his inability to escape sacks is a fucking problem. Yeah, like it's, a problem. The, it's um, if that aspect of the game cannot be fixed, he can't be a reliable NFL starter. Agreed. Maybe in a different situation, Fields can go do that. But Howell, uh, if I could sell Howell to acquire Will Levis, I would do that. Interesting. Yeah, I would probably go the other way. I, I I think Sam Howell might be good. I I know the sack thing is ugly, but his 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 accuracy is amazing. I mean, w- you'd rather have Sam Howell or Jordan Love? I hate that, and I, I hate that. I hate that because Green Bay's weapons are so nasty. Christian Watson. I mean, if if the if the lower body can stay together, then we are cooking, and it it, it may not. But Romeo Dubs has I I was hot on him last year. I cooled on him this offseason. He looks really good. Jaden Reed, he's kind of cooled off, but he was uh he was the number one target earner in in uh green zone targets per outrun for like the first five weeks of the season. He he yeah. looks fantastic. I I love the infrastructure in Green Bay. So that's challenging. Um Jordan Love or Sam Howell, I would probably go Jordan Love, but I'm not like I'm not doing it because I believe in Love more than I believe in Howell. It's just did wait did they did they extend Jordan Love? Does he have did they just no? What Jordan his- Love did the thing where he bet against himself. He he could have just played this season and then you know taken the um uh the the franchise tag or whatever 
and that would have paid him all the money. Instead, he locked himself into a very, very small amount of guaranteed money for next year. So they they hold the control, and he he is bet against himself, which was a very, very peculiar uh, way for him to play. He did not Kirk Cousins it. You know, when Cousins was like, you know, I'll play this year, and then you'll see me for thirty five mil next year. He did not do that. He's he's yeah. under control. Yeah. Which so is, then, yeah. Then it's probably Hal. I probably I think I would change to Hal because if they can if they can replace Love, then they yeah. probably should. And in that case, yeah, I um, at least it's going to be hard uh, for them to roll out Jordan Love again next year unless unless things change because right now they're two and five. If you extrapolate that, what's that five win season or something like that? You know, um, you know. So if they go five and twelve. That's not going to be Jordan Love. Come on back, fucking type of music. You know what I mean? I know his he. I the 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 tantalizing thing about his the only thing I really kind of look at his profile and go, hey, that's cool. Is that he's good at at um, rushing when the, when he needs the first down and yeah. like I like that and you know especially for like Scott Fishbowl scoring. That's not what we're talking about, but yeah, just when you see a guy. <laughs> Who has that kind of nose? Who's like, oh yeah. shit, I, I I gotta go, like I I gotta go get that. Then I that's cool. Um, what about what about another guy? They're probably the same fucking age as Kenny Pickett or Jordan Love. There's another one that's like just you know love. these guys are infuriating. You you like Love over Pickett? I don't want anything. I I don't <clears> understand Pickett's Kenny rough. Pickett. I know he's real bad, man. Um, like I at least at least Love has some like. Um, exciting tools that maybe a smart coach could kind of get going. Um, I don't, and I was going to ask you about Kenny Pickett. If I had Kenny Pickett and I could sell him, that would just be a get out of jail yeah. free. Like I would yep. just get rid of him. I had, I had two shares, uh, two shares by the summer and I sold one. I still have one left out of 20 leagues. So yeah, I, I'm light on Kenny Pickett. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. So, I mean, I think we've – any, anybody else you want to talk about in the quarterback in the quarterback vein? Mm, no. Um, I Well, we're going to get yeah. – yes, I do, but we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that later on. What, um, what about – what about um, – let me see. Oh, let me, let me at least – let me at least do this. I've got one I want to do, but let me get okay. to that right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So it turns out, welcome back, by the way, thank you. Uh, it turns out that Josh Dobbs hates me. And 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 this whole thing with, you know, finally I had Clayton Tune. I had played this Clayton Tune thing so perfectly. It just hurts. You know, because there was like Colt McCoy was never starting, correct. 
Kyler was going to be out for 10 weeks. Correct. They've got nobody. Correct. They like Clayton Toon. Eh, maybe a little correct. You know, and, oh, they trade this for Josh Dobbs. And Josh Dobbs plays just well enough. Like, just well enough to hold off Clayton Toon. Like, didn't kill it. He could have killed it. He could have also failed and, like, had a four-interception blow-up game and, like, opened the door for Toon. Like, the whole thing. Toon has been waiting. So then, of course, now Cousins goes down. Now Josh Dobbs has to eat Cousins lunch over in Minnesota where I have a ton of Cousins. You know, it's just Dobbs is just everywhere where there's pain for me. And this Clayton Toon thing, look, at the end of the day, we'll see if he's any good. But the the, the bet for me on Clayton Toon wasn't that he was good. It was that he was going to play. And, like, you know, lo and behold, that one just kind of, yeah, here we are. But he's not going to be worth shit because everybody knows Kyler's coming back. So, I mean, the only way that really Clayton Toon makes you any money right now is if he goes out and has, like, a fucking big game. Like, he really looks good, rushes for 70 yards and a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, one of those things where it's like, oh, shit, is Clayton Toon awesome? You know, like, where that's the fucking question. That is he, such a an outlier result that I don't think is happening, especially against the team they're playing against. He would, he would have to just... Uh, your your process was totally right. You read the the whole situation, especially with Colt McCoy. You read that correctly. Yeah. Something just happened that wasn't really part of the potential range of outcomes, or it was a small probability. Yeah, d- didn't see it coming. That was the the I mentioned it last week as the the Dallas Goddard sucker punch. I just did not see it coming. If uh, he Clayton Tune, if he's going to be worth anything to you, he's going to have to put up the kind of performance that like opens the door for him being a starter, a fill in like two years from now. Yeah. Like he'll he'll have to go wrong. He'll have to do the Levis thing where it's like, yes, he has to have a huge game. It really does. And you know, that's such a, that's such a, you know, inside straight draw. So that one, I just want to mention the pain, obviously still a good time to maybe consider going to buy Kyler Murray. Um, But all that being said, it's just an absolute wasteland at quarterback. One thing that I did mention is you can certainly make some moves like if you're, I, I was looking. I have one team where I, I lose cousins. I have um, Minshew. It's a deep league. It's like fucking fourteen teams. So having you know whatever, it's like it's crazy. I need a quarterback. I'm gonna need to make a move for a quarterback. And I'm like, but I'm like seven and one or whatever. like I'm really good. So it's like I don't need to do it right away. Um, you know, my nemesis uh, had mentioned that I made a few too many, you know, win now moves recently, which. He's not wrong. You know, sometimes you got to be a little bit patient. So you can still be patient. If you're really good, 8-0, 7-1, almost locked in for the playoff berth, especially, you know, if it's the six teams makes the playoffs. And, you know, I always look at that, whoever's in seventh place. If they're like 3-5, and five, I'm 7-1, and one, and I've outscored them, it's like, dude, I'm going to have to really go on a – I'm going to have to really fuck it up to fall out of the playoffs. I've got a really good cushion. Let me take a few weeks to see what happens, see if I can – Try someone off a roster without spending too much. Be patient, you know, because even if you lose or maybe you'll win with, you know, I've seen people win without trying to win. They have no quarterbacks and they're both super flex, you know, and they'll still win a game. So all that is part of the process to be patient, because if you go out and buy like Jimmy G and then he's fucking benched, you know, that 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 fill in plan didn't work. And I almost made that big giant fucking mistake myself. So, you know, that's the lesson there to be a little bit patient with uh, your purchases, especially for some of these guys that are fragile, you know, a a Ritter, a Heineke, any of these guys, man, they could just be here today and gone tomorrow immediately. So be a little bit patient with all that is the, is the long-term advice 
Um, but I know you've got some questions for me, so go right ahead. Yeah, let's keep it going. I, so the sticking with the the process concepts, one thing that I I am I'm having a difficult time uh, restraining myself from selling any running back that becomes anything at all, and this will become a theme, and everybody can can poke fun at me here, but. So I've, I sold, I put this in the show notes or I didn't, they don't exist, whatever. Um, yeah, that's sold, right. I, I, uh, this is all, uh, <laughs> never mind, sorry. I sold early on Ramondre. I was really in on Ramondre. Um, and, uh, and I was in on Isaiah Pacheco and I, I sold early on both guys and I, I didn't get their, their big seasons last year. You know, I sold like, anyway, it doesn't matter. Sold early, early on sure. them. But, but then I've also, I, 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 I'm, I know I'm doing a good job of picking up these scrap heap guys, Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, Daryl Henderson Jr. I have traded all of those guys for a, a third or individual third round pick. And right. that's awesome. Um, and this may just be a similar situation to what I was getting to where like, if we already have po- uh, uh, negative indicators on someone, do you just get rid of them immediately or and and if they don't, if we if if it's a clean slate and you're in, do you keep them? I, I, but like Zach Moss right now is spitting in my face as I say this, right? Because he is, yeah. You can match Jonathan Taylor's production, and it, again, is I'm so excited to get to stuff that we have planned later on here. But yes. what do you do with the running back position? Because this thing, these guys, like, the, and and Adam Hutchison, who I know used to work with the Undroppables, he did an awesome piece for four for four i think either last year or the year before it's a the the premise is about christian mccaffrey but he it it's a it's an article disguised as a christian mccaffrey piece but it's really about running back aging and he gives these these different prototypes he gives the grinder back which peters out and the age 24 and a half season the all-purpose back which is 26 and a half the all-purpose plus which is 27 and a half and then there's pass catchers who pure pass catchers who i'm, I'm blanking on but we know kind of what these these cliffs are going to be and yeah you know, like we watched Derrick Henry finally hit it this year. He's a different case than some of the, these guys that we're talking about. But when you are right on a running back, not a first rounder, but like you get something like if you drafted Pacheco last year in your fourth round, you have that is a, a that is as big as yeah. a hit as you're ever going to get. When yeah. do you and when do, do people like chalk like when do yeah. you know when do you guys approach this and go you're you're going to sell but it's going to suck for a year, but it's okay. Cause you're going to go, yeah. you're going to be in the Caleb Williams running or whatever. When do you figure this out? I think if, unless you're first of all, always be willing to sell a running back. I, I, um, you know, it's like, I have a lot of McCaffrey in, in, in leagues. I, I, I just happened to, I don't, you know, I don't know how I acquired so much CMC. Maybe I bought when he was hurt too, figuring he'd be back. Um, but in any event, I have a lot of CMC and like in this one league, I just was like realizing it's a Mahomes league, but it's a it's a league where I'm just too shallow. I just don't have enough horses. And I really look at that team. I don't really have a second quarterback of, of circumstance. It's just a team that I need. I just can't win. It was basically being carried by Mahomes and CMC. So I was competitive. But if anything were to happen to CMC or if he has one bad game, like whatever, it's just not a winning team, even though it was a playoff team, like in the playoffs, you know, like obviously the playoffs haven't happened, but I was in the top six and I said, no, I got to get out. So what did I do? 
I sold for, you know, basically like Gibbs and a first round pick or something like that, you know, and people are like, oh, I don't know, man. I mean, you know, Gibbs and who knows, this was like three weeks ago or two weeks, whatever. Like whenever Gibbs was like the, the, you know, the, the shithead of the whole thing. Like, are we sure he's any good? Like people getting so fucking fickle and, you know, turn around today and, you know, I could probably, I, I would probably sell Gibbs again in that league because I can now sell, I can sell the RB two in fantasy twice in one season. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like first it was Chris McCaffrey. Now Gibbs is their running back two in dynasty, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? So I'm, looking to sell on that value so I can continue to build my team because that's what that team needs. I need to build it. The points are less important than anything else. And, you know, even when the points are important, sometimes you can just, you know, look at Nick Chubb was scoring your points. You know, I'm not saying that you can predict injuries, but my point is anything can happen with these running backs, you know? And so unless you're like locked in, like, you know, dominating a league, look, I, I advocated and I said it on multiple shows selling Bijan, right? Right when, you know, right when he was picked, right before he played a game, because everybody had this vision that he was going to be the best. And I said, if he ends up being like the RB8, people are going to be like, yeah, he's fine. He's just a guy. He just turns into another guy. Like nobody, and people are like, no, dude, he's always, it's like, no, that's not how it works. The, 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 the fantasy community is too fickle. And so, you know, once they're not the best in the world, then we say they're not, you know, just like Gibbs, you know, and now he's great again and everybody's like into it. So I think you have to be willing to move them all the time, you know, and like you did with those three, you know, Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, Daryl Henderson, if you're not winning or if you're not starting them, or even if you are selling them for thirds is, is great process. Selling running backs, you know, you want to be a running back salesman is what you want to be in, 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 in fantasy and especially, of course, in dynasty, of course. I that all makes sense and the uh I remember the draft discourse around Bijan because yeah. I was like I was so out on Bijan as the number one overall pick and I kept hearing people say but he'll retain his value he's like yeah. the only running and like you could trade him for like a first round pick and draft a quarterback next year and I'm like well then just draft the quarterback today yeah. Don't what yeah. What you I mean, I, I understood the the point. Like the running backs are more certain. You know, there, there's questions always about whether these quarterback. Well, we're seeing it. You know, these quarterbacks. We'll, we'll talk about Bryce Young a little bit, but like it's like when we get to the 23 class. But like, you know, you, you, there's there's truth to that. But like, I also felt like he was so far the number one. It was the it was this 1.01 with like. You know, people take him in the first round of startups, and he's the running back one overall before playing a game. Look, that all makes sense to me. It's not like I disagreed with that. I I also had him there. My point was at that time is like, well, only can it get worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Like yeah. the only the only yeah. outcome that that befits that value is like a running one a running back one two or three overall finish in year one because if mm-hmm. he's outside these truly elite league winning running backs, you're like. Yeah, he was fine. And everybody else was like, yeah, he was good. Now will you give me all the things I wanted for him? No, not anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I will before he plays it down. I'll give you everything. Oh, my God, I'll give you multiple first and Brees Hall. You know, like people would have done that. Like yes. fucking cuckoo. And now they won't. So that's my point on the sell. It's not the player. It's not a player take. It's a value take. And so right. you have to have the the cool Jones, the fucking stones, to be able to do those deals at that time. It's really hard 
to sell Bijan before he plays a game, man. That's fucking so hard because you have the shiny Corvette in the driveway, yeah. man. I want to go fucking drive it, you know? So that that's what it is. And so it's hard to be like, yeah, let me, give me four Honda Accords and a, and a future fucking Corvette. You know, it's like, man, I want the Corvette now. You know what I mean? So it's, it's hard to, it's hard to do all that shit, but that's okay. sometimes what you got to do. Now, something else that you said in there was uh, when you're talking about having traded for Christian McCaffrey, the first you kind of mm. paused and you went and, you know, maybe I bought him when he was hurt. OK, so do you buy running backs high? You said you're always in, in RB selling business, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. A guy that you and I messaged about a little while ago was Sean Tucker, who is not yeah. high right now. But maybe he's a good uh, buying opportunity. Roshan Johnson over the last four weeks has been like, yeah, you're never going to trade. You're never going to be able to get him. And now he is the number three uh, guy. Like Darrington Evans is taking the green zone snaps. Yeah. And he's back to meeting goodbye. Do you, when you're, when you are shopping, do you, I guess maybe it's it's purely I, I buy if I'm if I feel like I'm about to win and I just need to be pushed over the edge. But even then, I I personally would have a difficult time if I'm quote unquote in win now, trading for Aaron Jones. Like yeah, we oh, we, we shit, had a, we had hamstring. a saying you basically trade down at running back, trade up at wide receiver, right? Yeah. So okay. you know in. That's generally the idea, and, and some people will be like, "Well, that doesn't make sense." And 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 you're right. I mean, if look, if you can trade, you know, Nick Chubb and a first and get Brees Hall, then yeah, trade up, trade up, yeah, do that. You know what I mean? It's like because you know, I get that. You know, it's like, you know, but at the end of the day, if you can trade down slightly, you know, like I did with McCaffrey to Gibbs. Now, if I could do that to from Gibbs to. I don't know, I'm making up to a chain or whatever. And it's like, someone will pay me a chain plus to get to Gibbs. And then a chain comes back and he's awesome. Then I can sell down from a chain to Ken Walker. And then he's good again, you know, whatever the case is. And, and you keep selling down and getting profit and you still have an RB one in your RB one slot. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. kind of the idea, you know, um, it, even in the middlings, you know, I mean, if you had sold down from Ramondre to Josh Jacobs or now you could sell down from Jacobs to, somebody else and so forth and so on. Then that's kind of the idea is that you pick up the profit. Now the profit tends to be in the form of, you know, second round draft picks, things of that nature. Those things turn into T Higgins and Michael Pittman and Brandon Ayuk and right. They turn into real players that actually go on your team and score fantasy points and then have their own value. Or they turn into sell two seconds for a late first and you pick up Jalen Waddle or what, whatever, you know, or Anthony Richardson. And, you, you know, you sort of – so you're just trying to gain all that value as much as possible. And the, and the running backs tend to be stuff that – it's just hard, man. It's just hard. Like if you'd sold down from Ramondre to Isaiah Pacheco in the offseason, people have been like, all you got was a second? Well, now they're like equal value. So it's like yeah, now the second's free. And that would have sounded like a loss. And it can go the wrong way too because you can think you're doing that and really lose big time. But at least if you have the pick, you have some insulation of being totally wrong. You know, sometimes you trade down and you like, I don't know, let's give it an example. You know, somehow Najee, you know, you, you think oh, I'm selling Brees Hall to Najee in a second. I think Najee's going to be good. And then Najee's fucking terrible. And you gave up on Brees. You're like, fuck, what did I do? I guess at the end of the day, yeah, you can step in it a few t a few times that way. You got to be careful, but even still, with that mistake, you still have the second. I mean, not that that's a huge consolation, but normally that's profit 
In this case, it's just consolation prize. But if you do that enough, and Matt Chester was on here talking about it. He goes, if you do that enough times, you're generally going to win at the running back position. Whereas at the wide receiver position, that's a little bit more of a risky bet. Um, because generally, if you think about it, those those wide receivers are pretty sticky up at the top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Speaking of All wide right. receivers. Speaking yeah. of wide receivers, hey, George Pickens. I heard you did a little bit of an article on George Pickens. Tell me what you think about George Pickens because I've got some opinions on George Pickens. Pickens had, you know, I love Pickens. I said I wanted him above Jamison Williams. That's looking like a fucking absolutely great call. Um, you know, we we advocated to take George Pickens over Jamison Williams in that rookie draft. I know those that followed and listened, you know, are very, very glad that they are holding – George Pickens instead of Jamison Williams at this particular point. George Pickens appreciated he did really well. And then out the other side of my mouth, we had a conversation with a bunch of guys on Twitter. And I think it was, uh, I, I hate to say, but I think it was Jordan McNamara and, you know, uh, a couple of other people. I think Matt Chester was there, whatever. It doesn't really matter who, but we had talked about um, George Pickens really just being expensive Gabe Davis. And people didn't like that. It hurt their feelings because Pickens is good. And and really the idea is that there's a prototype, and, and maybe your research will speak to this, that there's this prototype, this T. Higgins, Nico Collins, you know, George Pickens, Gabe Davis. You know, you can kind of go down the line, right? There's this sort of outside X player that wins on the outside, runs a lot of wind sprints, hopefully gets a little bit more involved. The target share is not always what we want, but the touchdowns are sometimes there. You know, how good are they? Are they elite level like you know the preeminent is like deandre hopkins is that guy you know it's like the unbelievable outside winner and then all the way down to some stiffs like terrace marshall right or whatever i'm just picking it up but you know right there's this whole lineage but they're this type of player and i wonder where where what what all that means to you uh, with what you wrote about george pickens well so george pickens is such he's such an uh he is enigmatic so I wasn't that high on him when he came out, and then he he went to he he was drafted in uh, onto Pittsburgh. That's a positive indicator because Pittsburgh drafts wide receivers really well. But they got Matt Canada there, and Mike Tomlin. He's a motivator, and he does some cool stuff on defense. But I, you know, I I uh, the the book. I think I said this last time I was on the show. The book that changed my football life was. Warren Sharp's 2018 football preview. Um, and I think it was either in the 18 or the 19 preview where he, he, he said something to the extent of no coach has done less with more than Mike Tomlin. And that's saying a lot because he's accomplished a lot, but they have Pickens in this pain in the ass role where it, it is the, like a side, I guess, from Gabe Davis, it's the least fun thing that a wide receiver can go do where he just runs these friggin' clear out routes on the perimeter. And so we saw last year, he wasn't like his per play efficiency was like not that awesome. And he's stuck in this crappy role. And then this year, this year showed me a pair of things. I'm right that it's a bummer situation and I'm wrong about his talent. He is good. However, he is stuck in a really unfortunate situation, which is so atypical for a good wide receiver to be stuck in the wrong role. Because this is, you know, an accepted ism that maybe we should cut down. I don't know. Targets are earned. 
Gabe Davis earns his targets in the right role as a field stretcher. I don't think that Gabe Davis would do a great job earning targets if he was asked to be Stephon Diggs. No. Pickens, and but we see this with like with running backs where you can just drop a competent player into the starting role and they'll just go do normal starter things. This situation is so crazy though. So um, my wide receiver cornerback matchup article will come out tomorrow morning at PFF where you can read more about George Pickens and, and what I expect. I'm not optimistic about him with Deontay Johnson back in the lineup. If we look at his usage data this year in weeks one, seven, and eight with Deontay Johnson in the lineup, it looks very different than what they were asking him to do in yes, weeks sir. two through six. Now, he is still getting some uh, pretty decent first read target opportunities, but his ADOT is is way the hell up. His deep target yep. rate uh, uh, targets over 20 yards, more than doubles, nearly triples with Deontay Johnson in the lineup. So they are only asking him to do, to do one thing. But the concept that's really fun here, and I'm just going to find a way to shoehorn this in. We're going to talk about somebody else here in a second on the LA Rams in this regard. But I, so you mentioned at the beginning of the show that I've, I've, I've I had the opportunity this year to be Pat Corain's editor. And I, whether I want to or not, I learn new stuff every week. <laughs> right. The, t- yes. the two biggest takeaways uh, so far this year that I've learned reading Pat's work. First read targets, very important. But the number one thing that we all need to be paying more attention to are what he has dubbed splash zone targets. Splash zone, uh, first discovered by Hayden Winks or, or, or broken down by Hayden Winks in 2019. So all credit goes to these two guys. But it's the zone of the field between the painted numbers and at least 10 yards down the field. Targets that come in this area, starting 10 yards down the field, are in PPR scoring worth... Uh, I think it's a half a point more. You should go look for the links and it's go go yeah. to, to to Pat's seven walkthrough. You'll yeah. find it. But they are significantly better, both because it gives the guys more room to work before the catch and after the catch. And after, Hence, right. it creates splash splash plays. With with Johnson out of the lineup, Pickett was dominating splash splash play targets, uh, splash zone targets. Excuse me. With yeah. him back in the lineup, it craters. Yeah, and it's the yeah. weirdest thing where this guy he's excelling in this yep. role, but the coaching staff is pushing him back out there and they're forcing yep. him to earn targets along the sideline where targets are worth less. Yeah. If I so, may real quick, Nick, actually, yeah, uh, uh, no, no, no. Listen, um, the Dan Bradley has a show, by the way, uh, shameless plug or, or not shameless at all. Actually, we've got the undroppables, uh, podcast feed up and, and running and you'll be able to find this show and a future bonus uh, Jack's Falcone show on that on that network, but also um, you know Dan Bradley has the um, you know rapid reaction um, that he does with one of your uh, Brian O'Connell uh, undroppable and thirty third team member. Anyway, long story short, they both were talking about the George Pickens route tree this past week, and he was running. I think he ran over fifty percent go route, <laughs> right? And he was like, and then, yeah, it was like 48%. And then also there's three routes, the, 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 the go, the post and the, and the, in the corner. Right. So basically all three of those are just basically downfield, either straight downfield in downfield out. You know what I mean? It's like, that's it. It was like 68% of his routes were that 
which was normally those routes before Deontay Johnson was back, those routes were under 50% for him. So yes, you're a thousand percent right. Just in terms of what they asked him to do route wise, he was getting a lot more intermediate stuff. And, and with Deontay back, Deontay, what do you have? Like fucking 15 targets, 10, 15 targets. I don't remember what it was. Any, some crazy number, but he's already, you know, dominating that when they play together. So yeah, George Pickens is, is scary that way. And if he were playing next to Stefan Diggs, he would look a lot like Gabe Davis, unfortunately. Not to say that he's the same player. I do think he's a better player than Gabe Davis. Whatever. That's irrelevant to the usage. That's irrelevant to the usage. The usage is more close to what they are. And they are kind of close as a player. They're, look, Pickens is better. Let's not fucking mince words. We're just talking about what you're going to get in terms of fantasy points. This is a fantasy show. We want to talk about football. Hey, man, uh, George Pickens is better. Okay, fine. Now what? Are you going to win your damn league or not? So you know, at the end of the day, yeah, George Pickens is expensive. Gabe Davis, especially with Deontay Johnson on the field. Just dropping the mic real fast. Okay. Did I lose you? Did I lose no, you? I, you, you, I was taken aback. So I think the the natural place to go here is George Pickens. I think he's a little bit he's a little bit unique because he is an extremely talented player. He's stuck in a really unfortunate role. But we do have guys that are better suited to certain one trick pony type roles. Some of the guys that I've listed here, Gabe Davis, we don't need to beat that horse though. Um, another guy that came to mind who I'm excited about, DeMario, DeMario Douglas. Yes. So this guy can play um, yep. and he's he's killing when he's getting opportunities in the splash zone, he's doing really well. But he's yep. a slot receiver. He's only 170 pounds. He's going to be a little bit limited. Uh, Zay Flowers, I was surprised by how high uh, you and I'm blanking on your most recent guest, but you guys were talking about him. Um, he he's kind of his route tree is kind of starting to develop, but a lot of it was like gadget stuff with some crazy downfield stuff. If he can develop, then it's a, he's a totally different player. If not, then he's like hmm, productive Kadarius Tony. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. what? Yeah. In in dynasty, I don't disagree with that. I, I kind of was like, you know, I have, I personally have the Addison, uh, JSN tier, you know, Puka tier a little ahead of of Zay. But when someone says they really like Zay and they want to put him in there for for conversation's sake, I think it's 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 okay. But I I tend to agree with you. Again, I I do have Addison right now. I. I Look, I'm. It's a bummer with Cousins because I was ready to move Addison, maybe even ahead of Puka. Like Addison's mm. fucking good. He's a really good football player, and if he's going to score points in his rookie season, I think I'd rather him for the long term than any of these wide receivers in this class. Of course, on the short term, now he's a little less valuable. But I'm with you, man. Yeah, Zay is one of those players. Um, continue on with your your thoughts about th- th- this real quick, and I think you had a question to follow yeah. up. Yeah. Well, so I I would I would put. I think Addison falls outside of this this group because Addison looks yes. like he's a complete player. Yes. Um, what I'm curious about is when we have these guys who are one trick pony or you know limited in their their ability or in Pickens' case role. Yes, yes. I know it, the answer might just be well, if it's a 16 team league, you take points how you can get it. But in an ideal scenario, do you want this this type of 
he player who can only kind of win in one way and and we could go well cd lamb is a power slot that's only one yeah but it's a little bit different because those targets he did a whole lot more and, than that he did a whole lot more than that this last week and uh, they right. did a whole lot more like justin jefferson uh this week and 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 so he does he does profile a little bit more although cd lamb was getting a little scary to answer your question i, I look at it this way i look at it you're either buying or selling production or value right that's the way I always look at it. Like, you know, I made a trade and I posted it and some people didn't like it. And I get it, man. My, Chalk didn't like it. He told me not to do it. I traded JSN and a second for Puka and a third. And it's a win now team. And I was thinking about doing something with JSN to get Diggs because Diggs is obviously awesome. And on a win now team, I could use him. But going from a 21-year-old wide receiver to a 29-year-old wide receiver – Man, that's a hard one to do. I was like, "Fuck, I don't really want to move that far down." And and he's might ask me for a profit. You know, he's going to ask me for a pick. I was like, "I don't like it." So instead, I made the move for Puka, who I think will outscore JSN this year. And so I'm paying the profit to try and win this year. And I'm hoping that I don't lose any value in the process. You see my point? So I'm mm-hmm. buying production, but trying not to lose value. Whereas if I buy the production with digs, I can buy the production. I can I can take JSN, turn him into digs, buy the production with the second round, but then next year I lose the value because JSN's certainly gonna leapfrog digs at some point here, if not by this offseason potentially. And maybe not even that, that that's maybe more probable than not. So I lose the value immediately. Whereas if I make this purchase for Puka, look, the we I look, I'm ready to say that there's still the pumpkin possibility with Puka. I'm not even saying it's a sure 100% bet on him yet. Really, really close, obviously. But the likelihood that he turns into a pumpkin is low. And so therefore, the value I will still hold. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. But a clarifying question, and then we'll, then we'll, we'll hammer it out here yeah. with Puka. Um, is if Zay Flowers doesn't develop past this type of usage, is he a hit as a late first round pick? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, he's not. not th- th- that's the reason okay. I've actually been you know i've man i've got this one team where i've got zay lamar and andrews and i and i could really use an upgrade here or there and i've thought about using zay as a as a as a chip to upgrade because i know a lot of people really think zay is that guy and i'm not saying he isn't but i'm willing to sell on the hotness that is right now everybody's like no zay is the guy what if he's just who he is right what if he's just a wide receiver two three that you know gets pretty good targets and is pretty uh, impressive with the ball. And I said, well, what if that's it? Now it's possible that is it, right? Just like you're saying, right? If this is the sort of utility that we're going to get, uh, a, a talented, you know, Kadarius uh, Tony, that's a good one. I like that. But like, if that's all he is, then selling high on on what he quote unquote could be and selling him as a top 15 or 20 uh, dynasty wide receiver is a great move, especially if I can use that to get something of, of, of real solid value, you know, use him and, couple other little pieces to go up and get a, you know, obviously AJ Brown would be great, but you know, anything up in that, in that region where I'm just really getting value and production. Yeah. I would love to use Zay flowers to do that because I think his value is there. So am I a sell on Zay for those reasons? Yes. Do I think he's good? Yes. Do I think if he doesn't grow past what we've sort of seen from him as a player, is he a, is he a hit? I I agree with that. I don't think he is. I think it's sort of just like, he's good. You know, he's fine. Yeah, I agree. So on uh, on on Puka and you know yeah. this is another dead horse, but I think it's just worth like hammering this out here. 
Um, Puka Nakua, he set records in his NFL debut. And yeah. because he was a, a, a small school guy, you know, uh, BYU had not yet joined the FBS or the uh, Power Five, I guess, when he was there. Although he was a UW recruit, which I, I think I actually heard this yeah. on your show where he would have been, he would have checked that, you know, draft box if he just stayed there, but the COVID year kind of screwed things up. Um, He set records and then the the crowd, half the crowd asked, I need to see it again. And then he set more records. Um, So he, that already in, in its, in, in, on its own is an, is enough. I think we, the, 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 the herd is far too slow on him. Um, What, what, then there what, was the yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, the, I, the Cooper Cup hurdle. Well, what what happens when he when he um when when Cooper Cup comes back? Yeah. The issue that I take with this is that there are plenty of offenses where we've had two wide receiver ones. Now we can be here ahead in the future and go. Well, he's out earning Cooper Cup still there, but he is also in these two areas that we've already talked about. He is top four in first read targets and splash zone targets. There so was my question. Wanna, Where is he on those first read and splash zone targets? He's top mm-hmm. four. Yeah. So, so <laughs> the guy, even if we want to whittle him down to like, well, he doesn't technically have the Cooper Cup, Amon Ross, St. Brown role. You know, you're right. He, it's actually better. He profiles like as a similar target volume earner to ARSB, but he's earning the, the looks a little bit further downfield in the open mm. field. I, if this is his role, if this is like his one dimensional like compliment to Cooper cup. Um, I don't think you, you straight up just may not have lost value trading away. JSN this guy, right. I like I, I was screwing around before the show with dynasty wide receiver rankings. And I just, I have him right now between Tyreek Hill and Amon Ross St. Brown at wide receiver seven. And I'm having a difficult time changing my mind on that. What he's already shown is like freak, insane, elite wide receiver. Um, And I know this is just a player take and and the people have already heard all this, but like this guy looks like he is going to be wrecking the league for years to come. Not just like a productive player, but like dominating defenses. If Stafford can get this UCL thing figured out, which is a little scary because it's his second one. He already had it repaired in 2020. But if you can get this figured out, I mean, I think we're going to be having the same conversations about like Justin Jefferson with Kirk Cousins. Like, oh no, do we keep Puka at wide receiver one, or are we yeah. worried about the quarterback fall? Anyway, take yeah, it I, away. Think th- I think that's no, I think that's right. And and like I think when I look at my rankings, I've moved him down a little bit. Uh, he's got a little bit of a bulky knee, and with with Stafford hurting, yeah. I you know I, these are like reactionary rankings you know i just kind of moved him behind waddle and olave and it's like okay fine whatever like olave's concerning some degree so is he you know it's in that ballpark but i i think you'd have a hard time like moving him past you know michael Pittman, drake london brandon Ayuk zone like that i don't know like t higgins like he can't go beyond those guys like he's just out producing him he's younger and he's uh, he's just doing it all and um you know i think the cat's out of the bag as you so put it um it's gonna be really hard for him to go for that genie to go all the way back in the bottle like i feel like he's right like at the very least he seems like how the hell could he not be a wide receiver too you know somewhere you know what mm-hmm. i mean like we're just like yeah no a guy gets 120 targets he's pretty good like 
feel like, you know, that's got to be the floor, a, a Chris Godwin level like player, uh, you know, like just a good wide receiver. Like, I feel like that's got to be the floor. And if it, it isn't, is. that's a huge, huge outlier from what he's produced already. So, you know, buying a 22 year old, you know, wide receiver who before the thumb injury with Stafford and, you know, the awful loss this past week, you know, that, that, that stings a little bit with what he can actually produce this year, but you know, outside of that, I mean, what, what's the downside, you know, I mean, I suppose, you know, Stafford won't play forever, but things change all the time. And, you know, Mm -hmm. nobody saw, you know, Anthony Richardson, you know, being good and reviving Josh down, uh, reviving Pittman and and making Josh down. You never know. So, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen with Pittman and all of a sudden he's, you know, he's good now or whatever, you know, these things change very, very quickly is what I'm saying. So switching over to, to the 2024 class, because this this twenty twenty three class was twenty three or twenty four. No, I want to I want to hit just or I guess just wide receivers generally. This yeah, most yeah, recent class, a lot of little dudes, and mm. I think the the truly little dudes have already shown that they just belong. Jordan Addison, Demario Douglas, um, Zay Flowers. Well, you know we'll see. We already touched on this, but the point is these these really guys, the small guys who we were like concerned about, Devontae Smith. Um, they, I think, have just sort of erased concerns over whether they can play their role. And if there are other small guys that are coming up in these upcoming classes that you're excited about, I want to hear about them. But the conversation that I have not heard people talk about is the Quentin Johnston-sized X-wide receiver, mm. where Johnston, when he when he weighed in, and and so for for the record here, I was I had Quentin Johnston as the wide receiver one in the class. I was very excited about him. I thought that he was um, going to take over the number one role in L.A. and blah blah blah. I'm very 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 wrong about him. But is there a lesson here? Do like these smaller guys mm. have found roles in the NFL, very specific roles. The the rules protect them going over the middle. They can line up in the slot. They can put linebackers in a spin cycle. But what about these big traditional can can, can guys be Quentin Johnston's size, which is like 62208 rather than Michael Pittman, who off the top of my head I'm, I'm recalling is like 63220. Mike yeah. Evans, do do can that archetype can a guy Johnson's size? Can he win playing like Mike Michael Pittman? Not not necessarily in the same yeah, mold or. Quentin, but Quentin Johnson's biggest problem was that he wasn't a contested catch player. You know, he was a yak player, and so and I don't know how good of a route runner he is in terms of you know being he's like what was he going to do? He's not you know I thought maybe he could be like a and and I never thought of him as this level of prospect, but this. Uh, profile of prospect it was like a CD lamb where he could play big slot, you know, kind of get open quickly, but he's not that good a route runner. He's not that good a technician. Now he's also, you know, a young player with not that much experience who could grow into something like that. But I didn't see him as like, Oh, as soon as Mike Williams goes down, he's going to go out there and dominate down the field. He can play down the field. I just don't think he's that good. A, he's not very good at catching the football, which has been proven like literally kind of over and over and over again. Like that's been an issue for him. So I suppose that can change, right? I mean, you can, he's got physical gifts. There's no doubt. Um, you know, and, and yak always is a little bit scary because it's like, you know, a couple big plays, it, you know, in college, all of a sudden now you look like you're a yak player, I'm not saying that he isn't, but it, 
it, you know, it can be a little fluky, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen fl- fluky yak numbers year over year. Doesn't always hold. I mean, generally, if you're not very good at yak, that does hold. But sometimes guys can, you know, can can get a couple big plays. Anyway, long story short, I think what you're what you're going to find is that yeah, I think these outside X players, a la you know George Pickens, are mm-hmm. going to have only so much ceiling. You know, Jamison Williams was another one. I, I I was a little bit nervous about that guy because he's you know, he's Henry Ruggs or something like that. You know, these guys have a little bit more NFL utility than they do, you know, uh, fantasy utility. And I think that's what I look for is what position are they going to play on the football field? And, you know, that was the thing. Like even, you know, some of the metrics you want to look at, like I know that Quentin Johnson was not very good at the metric that Puka was good at, which was targets per route run, right? In other words, he was earning targets all the way through. And it's like, well, if you're earning targets, that's – you know, that's a big deal. And, and, you know, you look at guys like JSN and, and Asin and Zay flowers, they were earning more targets than, than Quentin was on a, a per route uh, basis. So, yeah, I think when you just kind of break it down, um, you know, we're not going to always see these misses coming, but a lot of them have been, you know, the Nikhil Harry's and the, the guys who play, you know, outside who are just, they're just there's not as much utility. I mean, look at the 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 really successful guys are Stefan Diggs, Justin Jefferson, yeah. uh, Jamar Chase. These guys are six foot, five eleven, six one, right in that ballpark, right around two hundred pounds, just enough weight to be able to 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 use their body, but mm-hmm. not overweight where they're not fast and not quick out of breaks, you know. So yeah. I think that's the new sort of prototype. Now there are a couple of big guys in this draft, I guess, to your point. Um, but I don't know that they're, I, you know, I'm going to have to dig in. I don't know enough. Yeah. I, honestly, I don't, I, I don't have a take as to, Oh, um, you know, Malik neighbors, isn't going to be able to compete at the NFL level on the outside, or he's not going to play inside. I, I, I'm not prepared at all to make okay. those statements. So I'm not sure if, if, but if so, but that's where my mind's going. I want to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy always that I, I comped QJ to was Sammy Watkins. He's a little six one two two eleven, so a little bit beefier. Um, yeah. And that will probably prove to be um, yeah, good comp. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great comp. That's the show title: Quentin Johnston, Sammy Watkins. <laughs> just, just those two names. It's like, what happened to those two guys? No, that's one guy. That's just one motherfucker. Anyway, so. No, but- all right, so speaking of, of beef, I think you have some beef that you want to discuss here. I don't have beef, man. No, 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 no. no. Okay. Look, okay. man, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, it's it's interesting because I, I literally dropped this bomb and then got on the pod and did this thing. Like, you know, I know there's like the the the, the Twitter streets are blowing up over the, you know, the me and Bean Counter doing it again. You know, the cool thing about it is actually I love, I love Drew. Drew's a good dude. He's a good person. If he called me and needed a favor, I got you, Drew. I love you. But Drew has a tendency to be a little bit of, I know better than you people, and y'all better listen to me. Well, I would just say that you don't sometimes. And sometimes it comes across (laughs) as a little bit you're talking down to the masses or to me or to anybody else. And you know what? God bless you. Fucking go get him, bro. I support your right to do so. But when it comes to me, you're not going to do it. And one thing he did, and we're having fun, by the way, it's all in good fun. But he said, um, you know, get your find yourself someone who looks at uh, wide receivers that don't matter, like Jax does, or some shit like that. I think referring to Gabe Davis. And I thought, well, that's a funny thing to say, and I like that part. But the part about 
Gabe Davis not mattering is the interesting part of that whole thing. Not the fucking thing. I love the personal attacks. As a matter of fact, keep them coming. They're fun as fuck. But the idea that Gabe Davis doesn't matter when he's the wide receiver 20, 25 so far mm-hmm. this season in PPR and even better in a lot of other formats if it's not straight PPR, half PPRs with other bonuses, big play bonuses, whatever. He's wide receiver 25 at the in the worst league you're in because in every other league, less PPR, more bonus, he goes up. Mm-hmm. Long story short, that is valuable. And, 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 you know, that's better than Chris Olave's performing right now. That's better than a lot of players are performing right now who you had to pay exorbitant prices to get. Um, I will, I will caveat this this way because it's important for dynasty leaguers to understand the real big premise around what, what Bean Counter is saying and how he's right and what he is saying as a blanket statement which is completely wrong. And here it is. Here's the key takeaway. The idea that Gabe Davis does or does not matter is strictly due to league size and settings. And my beautiful friend, Scott Connor, who's my kindred spirit out there said it best. He goes, look, if you're in a league 11 plus, you know, uh, starting rosters are, are more than 11, then yeah, you're fucking throwing Gabe in there. If it's a, if you're, I'm in, I'm in one league, it's a 10 team league. And I, I forget it's start. I think we have defenses and kickers that maybe start 10 with those motherfuckers. It's like start eight. It's like, you know, there's like two flexes, two wide receivers. The most you can start two running backs. It's really shallow. What am I doing with Gabe Davis? Now? Like, I don't give a shit about Gabe Davis. Now. He makes, I mean, I don't want to play him. I know he's technically a wide receiver 25. So technically his value is that of a starter, but not really. Cause I don't ever really want to play him. I'd rather play someone else someone that is better i mean i suppose somewhere in that league he ought to be a starter but he's not a difference maker in that league and he's also not really worth rostering because you'd rather turn him into draft picks or whatever it's just it's too shallow conversely i'm in leagues where it's you know 14 team leagues start 14 well gabe davis is an actual real awesome motherfucking asset in a league like that that you would trade a a second round pick for in a heartbeat because you need to have players like if you're going to compete in a league like that you need a deep team you need dudes all over the place you are you know 14 times 14 i'm not good at math that's almost 200 motherfuckers they're name 200 players you want to play in fantasy it's hard to do so in a league that's you know 10 teams start eight that's 80 players they're dude He's not a top 80 starter every year when you factor in quarterback. So that is the key. And that is where you have to look at this stuff and understand what you're actually getting. And then, of course, there's investment costs. Someone like Gabe Davis, I probably overdrafted him in the league. I I referenced on, on, the, on Twitter when I mentioned it. I drafted him in like round 10, you know, right around Mike Evans. I probably could have waited and still gotten him in round 11 or 12, except I'm a sicko. You know, so at the end of the day, at that value, he's so, so, so valuable at that pick because in that league, you have to start, I think it's either 12 or 13, something like that. Well, if you're in the 10th round, you're still drafting players who are going to need to score fantasy points for you. There was guys like Jonathan Mingo and shit like that that went around that point. How the fuck is that dude treating you? You know, so in those rounds, that's when I was taking Jacoby Myers and Gabe Davis. I had no idea if any of them were going to pan out. Shit, I might have. Jacoby could have busted out completely. There's a definite possibility, but I thought maybe these guys were going to get targets. And I was buying targets and touchdowns in those early teen rounds. 
and I'm I'm the, I'm the number one team in the league in terms of points scored or points max PF whatever right at the top, and and in that league those types of players matter. If that were a start eight, uh, and I'm in round ten, I'm not really looking for those types of players. I'm looking for rookies, young players, running backs, backup you know running backs that I can hopefully hit you know. So the the strategy has to fit the league, and Gabe Davis doesn't matter very much in some, and he matters a whole, whole lot in others. Understanding your league can then have a real conversation. Unfortunately, I can't say all that shit on Twitter because fuck me. That's too much of a chore. I'll tweet one thing and people ask me all sorts of stupid ass shit and argue, and it's, it's not a good place to do it. Now, if you see it some other way, come on the show and tell me all about it. But what do you think about all that bullshit, Nick? My my favorite lines were the uh, guys all over the place and name two hundred motherfuckers. Um, so <laughs> name two hundred motherfuckers. It's hard to do. I know it. it's um, uh, name two hundred motherfuckers. Thank you so much. I appreciate you paying attention. You're retaining. To, this is what's good to anybody who uh, who does uh, occasionally go. No, he should be ranked. This do go do rankings. Try doing weekly yeah. rankings. You hard. will quickly discover how your favorite wide receiver can't be in the top 24. Like you just, <laughs> yes. you just, you can't get them in there. It's, it is crazy <laughs> yeah, right. when you yes. actually do it. And especially like try, try ranking people in, in a, a zero bye week. Oh my God. I, I, I had one day I was working for like 18 hours uh, last week on Thursday. Anyway, um, I agree with everything you said, and I think it, it's been aside from player specific takes. I think that it is that maybe kind of the, the theme of the show is just you know fucking um, learn your rules. I've got the the Dwight yeah. from the Office learn your rules song stuck in my head with this. Like it, all of this does just come down to context. Um, but sell well, we sell we, running we backs when you can. Hey, we didn't know if Jahan Dotson was going to be. Michael Pittman or Jahan Dotson. You know, we didn't know. So you drafted him. I literally took Terry McLaurin in that league just ahead of Jahan Dotson and immediately regretted it. I was like, fuck, man. I took the older guy. Dotson's probably going to outscore him this year. And I'm going to be holding the old guy, the Sugma. You know, I, I regretted it. And you know what? I was right. I don't know. Like, it's really hard. It's not automatic. It's not like, oh, I know. You just take the better player every time, bro. I know what I'm doing. You know, this is not a perfect science. And someone who tells you, it's kind of like religion. If someone tells you they know what's going to happen, don't believe them. They don't know shit. Believe the guy who says, you know, I'm not sure, but let's figure it out together. That's what you're trying to do. You know, this whole thing is like, you you never know. I wasn't totally out on Quentin Johnson. I was scared as shit. And I saw (laughs) this coming. But I also saw the upside where it's like, dude, what if he's like this guy who's all over the place getting screens and like underneath routes and all these reverses and shit and he can take it to the house and he's this big fucking speedy awesome dude in this awesome line oh my god this team right i saw the upside i saw it but i also saw the floor where it's like dude he can't earn targets and he can't make contested catches and he's not that good a route technician so how's he win what are we what's he gonna do like i saw both those scenarios and you know what you have to buy him and go him or Zay Flowers. What am I going to do here on the clock? Well, there's no. It's not like, dude, definitely Zay. It's like, all right, Zay is a senior coming out of Boston College and small. Maybe he's not, there's a there's a downside and upside for each of these players, even after they've shown at the NFL level. And you're just 
J.J. Zacharyson, hell of a king. You're always just playing these probabilities. You're trying to figure out, hey, what's the most likely? Where's my where's the trap door in this fucking deal? And where's the ceiling? You know, and 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 to being counter's credit, he often will say, all you're trying to do is gather ceiling. But in saying so, he's ignoring the fact that kind of that's what Gabe Davis is, actually. I mean, he literally could win someone's championship in a deeper mm-hmm. league. You can have him in the flex and he just goes off for oh, one yeah. of those stupid three touchdown games. He could also fucking just crap out on you too. I get that. That's what he is. So, you know, he does offer ceiling. Now, if you say that he doesn't offer a yearly, uh, you know, ceiling, seasonal ceiling, I think that's probably right. He just doesn't earn enough targets. We weren't exactly sure whether he was going to earn enough targets. So far this year, he really didn't. By the way, this past week, he was a target earner, and they gave him – see, here's the thing. It's the George Pickens corollary all over again for you, Nick, because what they did is they gave him like all these little screens and unders and slants, stuff that they don't always give him. Maybe that was what the defense was doing because they were doubling digs or who the fuck knows. I didn't I'm not, I'm not a scientist, you know. Don't ask me these questions, but they gave it to him. Well, if they give it to him next week and the week after that, then he's the guy who gets that stuff. If they never give it to him again, then he's not. But that's just what you're trying to see is, hey, how often is Gabe Davis going to see a high target share right now based off the historical data? Not very often. That's where the low ceiling from from being counters argument comes from, and he's not fucking wrong about that. On the on the the Gabe Davis usage point, I, actually, I'm glad that you called attention to that because that is something that we should highlight just for the listeners. Pay attention to what Buffalo does with him in the next couple weeks. I yes. had Gabe three paragraphs written up as a, a wide receiver mashup to target last week, and I stopped. I didn't publish it because Tampa Bay's defense was is very friendly to expo uh, uh, um, to allowing explosive pass plays uh, on a per target basis. However, they had the 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 total volume that they'd given up was very low, and teams weren't mm. testing them downfield. And so I was looking at the efficiency, and I liked that, but the volume was kind of telling me something else. And they'd had some secondary injuries throughout the year, and so the fact that teams weren't testing them more downfield was a little like, man, maybe they are, maybe this is the one thing Todd Bowles is good at. Um, the fact that they altered his usage is a, a kind of a shocking development. You don't usually yeah. see that kind of stuff three years in. Um, hey, maybe we should have spoken more about Nico Collins here. Um, cause yeah. Yeah. But, uh, if they, if they keep doing that, by the if way, they by give the way, him- Gabe, Gabe Davis and Nico Collins back to back in my dynasty rankings, because they're like the same guy. I don't know. Like, I, I guess maybe you'd like Nico better because he's got this asymmetrical alpha wide receiver one on his own team upside where Gabe doesn't, but Gabe plays in a better offense. It's, there's a lot of things going on there, right? But, you know, they're close. You know, they're similar age. They're a similar prototype. Um, one is the wide receiver one on his team. The other one's, a, you know, a wide receiver two with huge upside on a really good offense with an awesome God-tier quarterback. I mean, I don't know. You know, that's kind of where they're at. At the beginning of the year, it would have been prudent to have Gabe number one uh, or ahead of, of Nico. Yeah. Um, but now Nico has Quentin Johnston, or excuse me, Quentin Johnston. I got to get this guy <laughs> off my brain. He's got <laughs> CJ Stroud. Yeah. Speaking of CJ Stroud. Yes. What was difficult for me looking at the 2023 draft in the, in the lead yeah. up to this, and I touched on this earlier, was the, the B. John Robinson craze. 
Everybody, yeah. I mean, the consensus, not everybody, but the consensus was that he was the 1.01 because he would generally retain value and you could always trade him for a quarterback. And I remember hearing, maybe it, it might have been on this show where you were talking to Pat over the summer and he, he told a story about how he – uh, just that offseason had traded away Zach Wilson for a first round pick. <laughs> it was like, right. if what we're saying is that Bijan Robinson might retain value equivalent to Zach Wilson, then you sh- there is no excuse to be drafting Bijan Robinson at 101. The, the yeah. value that these players, that quarterbacks hold and even wide receivers hold over running backs in the long term, to me, it just doesn't make sense to draft running backs. 101. And I understand that there's a perceived ability to assess talent that that is a little easier with running back. But that's true. um, Yeah. So to give the listeners my frame of reference, my top guys, I, the way I ranked last year's class, the elite players, I thought Anthony Richardson should have been 101. CJ Stroud, number two, Quentin Johnston, number three. And then I thought it was a conversation between Bijan and JSN at four. Well, thank God yeah. nobody follows you. That's just the only thing I can say. No, I'm only teasing. <laughs> I'm only teasing. No, but I mean, really, the Quinton Johnston one is, is a blind spot. And here's the beautiful thing about having that take about Quinton. You get to learn from it. Yeah. You get to learn. No, it's true, man. Because, look, I, I, I'm the same person as you. I just did it with Corey Davis, okay? Right. It's, it, it's the same thing. You know, it's like, no, wait, Corey Davis it's no, it's not fucking Corey Davis. That was wrong. And we got to learn from that. We got to say, okay, what are the mistakes here? And and, and that's it. It's Nikhil Harry. Shit. I fucking like Nikhil Harry. I'll admit it wrong. I got to learn from that. And that's probably some of those is what I was a little bit hesitant for Quint, Quentin Johnson was those two players, not specifically and only other things that I've already mentioned, but they led to my eyes being open instead of just tantalized with the size speed upside. Right. Um, to your point about, uh, I, I need to, I need to say something. I need to apologize to everybody. I'm a fucking coward. What a coward I am. Last week I had Theo Greminger on and he said to me, this is just a series of coward moves from me. What a fucking bitch. <laughs> I want to be damned ashamed. He was on the pod and he says, you know, I have Purdy ahead of Dak Prescott. In, in dynasty and i was like yeah that's fine or whatever like like a little bitch instead of saying fuck you man dak that I, I was thinking in my head like i kind of wanted to push back but i was like whatever man you know and it's like i have dak over purdy and that's the way that that is and i should have said it and the same thing was true with fucking cj stroud i loved cj stroud i did the film work on these quarterbacks which is about the only way you can really judge them i mean you drew I, I, look i didn't look at all of them i just looked at the top three um, because the only ones, well, excuse me, I did also uh, the top five, uh, Levis and Hendon Hooker. They were just out of my mind. Now I did the top three plus those two guys, and ultimately you look at the numbers. You do some film, dude. C.J. Stroud was like the guy. I was like, dude, this is the guy. Delivers the ball in such a way. I wanted to make him my quarterback one, and then the only time I changed was when basically they announced Bryce Young was the going to be the one uh, overall, and I was well. At that point, it's like, well, if we know Bryce is the one overall, I don't even know at that point, right before the draft, we didn't know exactly where even CJ was going to go. There was some talk that he could fall big time. They were like, Levis is going four, then it's going to be Richardson, then Stroud could be this odd man out, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait a second. If that's really what's going to happen, that changes my rank. I got to really think. I'm just a coward, is what I'm saying. Just stick to your damn take, put CJ Stroud at one and move on. Tell fucking Theo he's an idiot for thinking some. 
Mr. Irrelevance better than fucking Dak Prescott and be a man for once in your life. Damn. <laughs> so on, I, I think, I think the, the Purdy Dak thing is <laughs> a very fun debate. Um, yeah. It's a very fun debate. I think we'll have a clear answer. Could be, could be a similar um, principle to ranking Gabe ahead of Nico right now with, with yeah. Dak over Purdy. I think we'll have a better answer by the end of this year. Um, but it's that's a that's a very fun conversation. How I mean the, how, the conversation was really whether or not I'm a coward, which you should have just said you are a coward, cowardly baby, and then and then we could move on. But if you want to talk about Dak over Purdy, I think the idea was that you know Purdy was starting to outperform Dak, right? And then he's younger, right? I mean that's really what it is. Um, yep, and he's he's in a great offense, uh, and he. Had a remarkable recovery. Anyway, I yeah. I don't know what to make of Purdy yet. I think he could be really good, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not planting a, a flag on that. Um, and and Mike McCarthy scares the shit out of me for for Dak, because yeah. yeah. um, he is dumb. He's not a good coach. And yeah. and I know that it's probably it's it, the right thing to do is to then caveat. Oh, and, and he's forgotten more than I'll learn and everything. I just I yeah, think yeah, Mike yeah, McCarthy's right. just dumb. Um, yeah. But on but looking back on what so so you've learned you have learned to stick to your guns based on the Bryce Young thing and the, the Bryce Young to me, it's not I mean, the Bryce is still- bad either, right? You know what I mean? It's just funny how like it, it is hard, like because I just told you not to stick to your guns with your like Quentin. It's it's so hard. That's the whole point. It's it's very difficult. But you know sometimes when you see a player, um, yeah, I, I, it's two sides of my mouth because one way I say always be ready to be wrong, right? And so. You, you want to be just always thinking, hey, wait, how am I missing this one? How am I missing this one? Where am I missing? I don't want to fucking completely airball this take. Where is it going? Like, am I missing something? And, th- and that's why when you start to read those tea leaves, it's like, well, Bryce Young, consensus number one overall pick. They're definitely taking him number one overall. 80% of GMs agree that they would take Bryce Young number one overall. CJ Stroud can't read. No, he can't read at all. He can't even read a book. He's stupid. You know, the S2 test, they literally were talking bad about this kid. You know, slow processors. It's going to be really hard for him to read a playbook. It's like, he's like, oh, wait, is that real? Like, is this really happening or is this bullshit? You know, and and so you start to just, it chips away at your, you know, at, at your take and you don't know what to do with it. And um, yeah, I, for, for all that's worth, I think it's just, it's hard to figure out. And I probably should have a few more shares of CJ Stroud, but I got a little bit, scared off is all and you know went in some other directions either traded out you know certainly anthony richardson was a fine pick uh i'm fine having him where i picked him over over stroud i never took bryce over stroud not once um but i did trade back and you know picked up you know either gibbs or jsn or addison plus future profit probably okay with that in a few spots but i did trade out of a few stroud opportunities and kind of regret that to be honest do you do you have any thoughts on the idea of positional drafting? Like, and I, I don't yeah, want to be too results you were oriented about? here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, what do you what do you think of the of the the like don't draft running backs thing? You know, and I, I say this like I was trying to to trade for Brees injured when he was recovering from the ACL. And yeah. um, what does this hold merit to you? A little bit, but um, I yeah. think I uh, really. what I try to. Well, here's the thing. I, I, it's changing is the reason I say that. Because if we go back when when I first started to really do some of this 
um, this work, you know, this idea of dynasty and understanding who to take in your rookie draft. You go back far enough, it was a different world. It was Todd Gurley, right? It was Zeke Elliott. These guys didn't fucking miss. They really didn't. If they were drafted high and they were good, they were fucking bell cows. That was it. Guys 220, 510, 511, 220, catches passes. He's strong, fast, had a great profile. He's going to be fucking awesome. So draft him right away. These quarterbacks, my gosh, you're going to – who knows what you're going to get. Might as well just take one of these running backs, plug him in, pick up quarterback when you can, and go from there. All the quarterbacks are really the same anyway. Whether you get you know the quarterback five to the quarterback 20 was the same guy. That was true back then. So all that data was true then. What's true now is there's a God tier of quarterback, and if you can get one of those guys, you have to do it. And the running backs are more muted now than ever. Now, that is somewhat true, but it's also still true. If you look up at the top of your dynasty rankings at running back, there's kind of a God tier there as well. Um, You know, you certainly don't want to be without a guy like Brees Hall or Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, right? Those guys really do help you win. And I think Bijan will as well. Let's not forget what JT looked like in his first year. People were ready to jump off that ship as well. I am very, very patient and very, very certain that Bijan is going to be a a stud running back in this league for as long as he may stay healthy. Um, You know, obviously injuries aside, if he's just healthy as, as he can be, then I think he's going to be a stud for the next five, six, seven years, whatever that is. You know, he's 21 running backs last 27, 28. So whatever that is, right. Certainly has a huge, awesome three to four year window on that rookie contract wherever he, wherever he would be. And and in this case in Atlanta. So I, I do think that there's merit to valuing that. I used to always say you enter a rookie draft. The first thing I want to do is identify if there are any elite tier running backs available. I just want to find out where there are, how many there are, if there are any, and then just put them in their own little category and make sure I, I am aware of those motherfuckers because they can, they can really win your league. And so sometimes the easiest and cheapest way to acquire that type of a player is in your rookie draft because otherwise go go offer a single first for Bijan and tell me how quickly that gets fucking declined go offer a single first for Brees or CMC you're never doing it a single first is a very very cheap price to pay of course it's also true about a quarterback so I don't disagree there the difference at the quarterback position is it's harder to determine whether or not one is elite or whether or not one is fake to your point one last one is that they do tend to hold their value. Even a guy like you mentioned, Zach Wilson or, you know, wh- whomever, right? Uh, yeah. I don't know how much what's, – what's Bryce Young worth right now? A single first? I mean, that's about probably it, right, at this particular – this moment in time? Yeah. Yep, I think so um, because yeah. there's still the what-if factor. And um, I, I, I don't – Stroud I think and Richardson a, are worth more than that, right? Stroud and Richardson worth more than yes. that. And uh, Bijan's yeah. worth more than that, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so this is I, to 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 test this very briefly, and I'm I'm yeah. listing players that I don't have. I don't. I'm not in this scenario, so this isn't just hey, what do I do with my fantasy team? <laughs> um, something that that chalk has talked about is hoarding the elite QBs and making people pay for them. And I know we have a, a hard out here soon. I do have a no, funny good, chalk yeah. story, um, but if you are in a situation where you are rebuilding. And you have yeah. somehow acquired, let's say, an elite, you have Patrick Mahomes and uh, C.J. Stroud or or some 
promising ascending guy who who could maybe tickle the elite tier, God okay. tier. You have 101. Just deciding today. Do you draft for your your starting lineup and take Marvin Harrison Jr. or are you adding a third quarterback to the mix in Caleb? That's a good question. I love that question because I have a league like that where I'm rebuilding, and I had Amon Ross St. Brown and one other quarterback. I forget who. Doesn't really matter. It's a good quarterback, and then I was offered Amon Ra for Tua and took it. So I have now Tua and another good quarterback. I forget who who it is. Doesn't really matter. So I have these two good quarterbacks, and I might be at the 102. I don't think I'm going to be at okay. the 101. So Caleb will likely be gone. And I was like, fuck. Do I take Marvin Harrison over Drake May? Yeah. I was like, shit. That's a question I'm going to have to ask myself. Because we kind of, even at this moment, kind of know what this is. Like, Drake May is going to be a top five pick. I mean, almost like assuredly. And so won't Marvin Harrison and so won't Caleb Williams. I mean, I suppose something could happen through the process where that changes. It's possible. But as of right now, that's the the assumption we're all making. And so I think we're all making the assumption that those three players are one, two, three in the in the rookie draft, which we're still a long ways away. But yeah. if I had to decide right now, what would I do? And I was like, I kind of thought about it and I was like, I don't worry about it. You don't have to decide yet. You know? <laughs> you know, but but I did think about this question, like literally before you asked it, before you thought it, like I was like, yeah. fuck. And it is a really tough question. I think what I would, and it's a, I would draft the player that I feel is going to be almost assuredly the best player. So right now I'm leaning Marvin Harrison because I want to just take a player that's like, because if I said, oh, would you rather have Dwayne Haskins or Justin Jefferson? You'd be like, what What are you talking about? No. What about Baker Mayfield? He went one-on-one. Baker Mayfield or Justin Jefferson, right? CeeDee Lamb or Josh Rosen? You know, you're like, okay, well, wait, no. I, what about this quarterback thing? You know what I mean? But at yeah. the same time, it's like Quentin Johnston or, you know, Justin Herbert. You know, you can play it both ways. So ultimately, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the evaluation of who is the just the absolute best prospect there. I think you draft – for the best possible prospect leaning quarterback, if you must, right? If it's a straight fucking tie where you're like, dude, these are both hundred out of a hundred. Give me the quarterback, you know? But I, uh, yeah, I think the utility here though, I understand the Drake may thing. And we are in lockstep with what our assessments, but I put it to Caleb, not Drake may for a reason yeah. because Caleb yeah. is apparently Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, if he uh, if that's the evaluation that I come out with, I'm taking Caleb. Even if I have okay. the two quarterbacks and I have no fucking receivers whatsoever, I have Anthony Richardson, Patrick Mahomes. I'm taking Caleb, and and yeah. and yeah, because here's the thing: it was one draft, and I probably messed it up a little bit. I made a few moves. I probably should have just drafted Stroud, Richardson, and Bryce Young, even though I already had like I had like Watson, Lamar, Pickett, a bunch of other. You know, I had, I had quarterbacks at the wazoo. And I probably should have just taken one, two, three, and then been like, okay, we're open for sale. You know, you can yeah. you know, just sold, sold Watson, sold whatever, like just so, sell them. But at the same point, what if you what if you swing and miss on two out of three and you could have had like Gibbs, JSN, and A-Rich or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like it's really hard. So sometimes I think it just comes down to who you're most confident in. And at that point, I wasn't as confident in the Stroud, Bryce Young, 
in terms of like their overall ceiling. So a Gibbs JSN. So getting a rich JSN and Gibbs felt better to me, especially because I was able to trade back gain value, get them and see what I'm saying. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all gameplay at that point and you're going to win and lose sometimes, but if I can move back and then get future value, then it sort of insulates the decision to do so. So on the subject of moving back, I, uh, I joined my first chalk league this year and, uh, it was a ton of fun. We're doing the draft. It's a super flex. He has real short benches. So I made the decision. Um, I started it off with, I I don't remember which one, if it was Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson, but I end up taking one of them and then I trade into the second round to go get the other one. And then I sit back and I go, all right, I got to kind of try to acquire some, some extra picks here in the mid range and kind of try to, to take a few more shots because I'm, I'm going to be behind the eight ball in the elite wide receivers, running backs. And um, so I think I'm doing like my third trade back and I'm feeling really good about this because, you know, Chalk, like his status on on Discord is like is just trading back. Right. And he talks right. so much about how uh, he loves trading back. And when when somebody wants his pick, they have to come take it from him. They got to pay fair yes. value. And I am. I'm sitting here thinking that I'm because all of the trades I'm moving back a couple spots and just picking up another pick like in the immediate round afterward. I'm feeling really good about it, and I make this third one. And I think it was a, a it, it doesn't matter. It was a tight end thing, and I had two guys in the same tier, and I trade back, and I'm like I'm really having a blast because I, I anyway I make this trade, and I'm I'm feeling it, and I say out loud to myself chalk squeeze baby yes yes and then then i get and then my phone goes off i see these two sleeper notifications come through and it's chalk and he's posting in the league chat like the whole thing and it says something like just trading back for nothing so bad (laughs) no (laughs) i thought i was doing the thing like (laughs) <laughs> it was just like he ran up and yeah. kicked me in the crotch from behind and you know i i still did another tra- at that point i was oh, like shit. i don't believe in sunk cost but for this one i'm just oh, doing it shit. and i traded back again and it, yeah but it was the timing was, it was <laughs> it so was, good that is so good I, you know people forget like chalk is one of the kindest people like he's just magnanimous and kind and and like He's gentle and wonderful. And then when he gets competitive, he's a straight fucking killer. And like he it, ultimately what he did there probably felt like you sold too light. And so therefore Definitely. he's like, yeah. So he's like, you know, you're doing that and you're not getting anything and you're just bullshitting and, and you let this other motherfucker who I'm competing with get something for nothing and fuck him and fuck you, you know? And you know, he's probably right. And he's also definitely messing with you for sure. 1000%. Cause if you hit him up, you'd be like, seriously, you'd be like, that was proud of it. you know, but in the moment, you know, it's always, there's another fucking dynasty game through one one definitely make your, make your opponents feel a little bit sort of a certain sort of way, you know, you don't want to belittle them, but like, you know, the, so bad is so good because it's like, you're like, Oh, <laughs> that hurts so much. You know, So good. So good yeah. job. Good job. I love Thank that you, you said out loud chalk squeeze and then chalk literally just dunks all over you. The universe, it was like my phone is still in my hand. As is, yeah, it was. <laughs> chalk squeeze, baby. Woo. <laughs> all right. So 
I love it. We're wrapping up here. Yep. Yep. We got to do it. Um, Hey, tell the people where all your shit's at, first of all. Yeah. Like, because, you know, I, I don't even think I gave your Twitter handle up front. So uh, give me your Twitter handle and uh, you're at the 33rd team, which, you know, I know, you, you know, Larky and all my friends are over there. So you guys are doing great work and uh, proud to proud to see you doing so well there, my friend. I really am. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. So for the followers, my Twitter handle is, <clears throat> sorry, at Nick Bodiford, N-I-C-B-O-D-I-F-O-R-D, at Nick Bodiford NFL. Um, you can find my weekly recaps coming out either Sunday night or Monday morning at the 33rd team. And I do their waiver wire, waiver wire column. And then it is off to the races with uh, the quarterback, wide receiver, cornerback uh, matchups columns at PFF in the middle of the week. And the DFS cheat sheet comes out on Fridays. And you can find my behind the scenes work in Pat Crane's walkthrough. And I say that jokingly he pat is yeah. pat is brilliant and i'm i'm extremely thankful for the opportunity i just yeah the, i mean i just get to read him like his his behind the scenes watch his brain work basically and yeah, he's exactly a very 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 sharp person if you have not signed up as a uh, subscriber at legendary upside you should consider doing so it's good stuff yes. and he gives he gives a lot of of the uh, the free previews for the walkthrough, he gives you a lot. So if you need to go test it out for a couple of weeks and see what you're getting, like a big portion of that article is free. Um, and he also releases it on his podcast feed. Um, so you can check out free previews there too. But yeah, 33rd team, PFF, and then editing over at Leg Up. But to you, Jax Falcone, thank you so much for having me here. I appreciate yeah. it. And it's you're, you are healthy for me. I'm such a, a cynic and it's, your 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 brightness and your joy it, yeah. it lifts me up yeah man it's uh it's fun you know and 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 actually you know you hopped on early uh right when this whole thing was going down with bean counter and you're like wait are you guys like you're not love? i was like no no it's all fucking it's all love like even when i'm mean to you it's it's love i mean and and i, I do like the people who can stand up to it you know and and i will give bean counter a lot of credit you know he has a tiff going with my my old account fantasy receipts wink wink um and you know and, and but he hasn't blocked them it's like i don't know I, I can't imagine having a beef with that thing but that's again his own thing but there's a lot of other weaklings who have blocked fantasy receipts and like they're so flimsy and ultimately i get it you know fantasy receipts doesn't come after me mainly because i'm never wrong mainly because i'm never wrong but <laughs> That's the main reason it's the hardest thing to find, you know, when I fuck up. Actually, you know, the main reason I love it when someone comes after me when I fuck up because I fuck up all the time and it's fun. And and that's the whole point. Don't take it too seriously. Uh, have a lot of fun. I know a lot of people, this is their, their, their main livelihood, obviously. And, you know, people don't want their brand being attacked and all the rest of it. And there's a lot of trolls out there. But look, when you're having fun and going back and forth at each other and and, and, and picking on each other for your fantasy football takes – have some levity, have some joy in your heart when you do it. Even if you're being a prick, have joy in your heart. I, I can be a prick on, on, on Twitter and elsewhere on these airwaves, but I really do care for other people. I care for you. You're awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you. Thank you. And thank you, Michael P. Duncan. And, and in the spirit of, you know, we do stream on the player profiler network and I know Matt Kelly does this all the time and in the spirit of Matt Kelly, I want you to go out, with a hot take. So I want you to give me one hot take that you'd like to share with the world right now. Maybe not too hot. Make it hot.
Sam Laporta, Dynasty, tight end one. Boom. I love it. And you know what, buddy? I agree. And on behalf of everybody here at the Undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at the Undrafted, on behalf of the greatest podcast producer to ever walk the land, Michael La Porta Duncan, you have been joined by Mr. Nick Bodiford. I am Jax Falcone, and we are out. Out.